but for the lower and middle kids, you know, the kids who don't know as much yet or, you know, developing, that's where the flip learning is coming in and showing and an increase in their engagement, which automatically means an increase in their, in their achievement as well. So I think, you know, we need to look at both, both the engagement and the achievement in order to actually make some judgments about whether this is a good thing. You're listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders, and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With the ability to track student progress and quiz results, data provided by My Study Series ensures teachers remain informed of how well their students are performing. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode 62 of the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log, where you're able to grow, learn and develop by accessing high quality PLD when you need it most. I'm your host, Carl Condoliffe, and I'm here with my co-host, Celia Fleck. Celia, how has your week been? It's been good, thank you. It feels like it's been very hectic, but in a very productive way and in a way of connecting with lots of people. So um, yeah, so no, it's been good. Thank you. Biggest, biggest win for the week? Oh, biggest one. It's got me thinking. <laughs> biggest win. Yeah, no, I might have to come back to that one. <laughs> connections. You, you, yeah. you mentioned you made lots of connections. It's yeah. always yeah. good. I spent, uh, I've, I've just gotten back from Auckland. I spent the day up at um, Liston College running some PLD for them, and it was um, really, really interesting morning with them uh really high functioning school i think doing some really amazing things uh, and they were really good audience to engage with and, and run this prd and they're really attentive and when we got into some games and more practical stuff they, they they had a lot of energy so it was um that was probably the highlight of my of my week and had a lot of fun with them i'm back home now ready for the weekend We've had Liz Wilson on the podcast, and she's a bit of a, a flipped learning guru. Um, I, I, I thought the episode was was really good, and for somebody who considers themselves a bit of an expert in flipped learning, I picked up a couple of things, which is really good for me to take away from that. What did you learn about blended or flipped learning environments during the session? Yeah, well, I'm the complete of it opposite in that I would be a complete and utter novice in terms of flip learning and have listened to a few things. Um, but I liked the way um, that she spoke about um, a few times she repeated that it's not it's not just about the video. And so for me, the takeaway was about how it can give teachers that extra time to connect, to build relationships, to work one-on-one -on -one with students and, and with groups of students. And so it was thinking about how do they use that extra time differently within the classroom that they gain from that from that flipped learning approach. Um, so that was kind of that was kind of I guess my biggest takeaway. But then it was interesting because 
I found, and I really like this about podcasts, that I found that I had more wonderings and more questions by the end of it than I kind of did answers. But yeah, it was good. What are, what are some of the questions you had? Well, I was wondering, like, Liz was coming from a maths context, and I know one of the real challenges and um, and practices that perhaps requires challenging in secondary school maths departments is the streaming of maths classes. And I wondered if for teachers that are using, or teachers or departments that are using the flipped learning approach, whether it's also changed their thinking and their teaching practice around that um, ability grouping in, in maths or that streaming of classes. Do you know anything about that? Do you know? No, but I, I, I think if you if you think about what you can do with a flipped classroom and how having this, uh, this video accessible to the students so that they can consume that outside of the classroom. So immediately what that does is it allows some of those students who might be at a lower level to watch it over and over again and pause it and um, consider some of the concepts that have been discussed. And like you said, when she when Liz summed up or a lot of what she said was about giving you more time in the classroom, I think if you're looking at being able to differentiate in your classroom and look at those different streaming levels, I, th I think it gives you more opportunity to um, pitch the learning at different levels throughout a session. I don't know if that answers your question enough, but I, I think that time is a big thing that it opens up and allows you to um, support some of those different learners. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. And I can see the real um, potential for uh, to a kind of tainer within the classroom. So that's what I would imagine. That's what I would hope. Um, I guess my wondering is, is it is it happening? Are we seeing that that change in practice in secondary schools? Um, and then my other question was around this this research that she's interested in doing around the longevity, and um, she's wanting to test the idea of whether this works. And I was left me kind of thinking in terms of what what is this what is she talking about in terms of whether it works or not how is she going to measure that success and is she looking at following students beyond perhaps the class that they're in experiencing the flipped learning to what um what transferability of skills is there when they're not in that environment i don't know do you know more about what she's hoping to achieve by looking at that no, I wondered some of that too, and and I I, I think when we first of all um, unpack or make that um, that research a little bit more in depth and and look longer term, I think one of the challenges with, with a flipped approach is that, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, um, and I've been flipping for a while, but I don't feel that it is an approach that you would use constantly, and that could just be our learning area, but in in physical education you might have um, flurries of flipped lessons, but then you might move into a different unit that it's not particularly suited to. Now, mathematics may be slightly different. There may be more opportunities to do this um, consistently um, over and over and over again. Um, I, I can't answer to that, but in, in physical education, definitely we might go, you know, three, four, five weeks without flipping and then have, have a, a, you know, two weeks solid of this flipped approach. So I'd be interesting to unpack that a little bit more with Liz and, and definitely follow 
her research as she as she rolls that out and spends you know a bit more time doing that because that would be really interesting going back to your tour kanatena that's something that i think is really valuable in a flipped approach and it's something i've talked about previously in some of my workshops around flip learning is that you can uh, look at a mastery approach so students progress when they feel like they're ready to uh, move on to the next concept and when you get a learner who progresses really quickly and obviously can you know understand the, co the content they can come back and we'd see it a lot they come back and support others because they've done all of the work they know uh, the content and they can come in and really support their peers and i think that is one of the benefits um, of the flipped, flipped approach and, and i'm going to go on to some of um, the things that i took away from liz first of all um, this idea and I, I was listening to, I was re-listening to the episode today and following on from my session at Listening College, we were talking about the skills that we've learned post-COVID and they were talking about um, having these skills with video now and Zoom and all of those sorts of things, but how they weren't really pushing it now. They kind of dropped back a little bit into, you know, normal teaching and learning. And then Liz was talking about making short recordings and I was just thinking, why... And I'm the same. I stopped doing that. During lockdown, I was making short recordings every week to the parents, to the students, expectations, what's happening um, in the coming week. And I just had, I couldn't answer why I'm not doing that now, because I think it's a really powerful tool. And she was talking about it in the context of um, using other people's videos by putting yourself, your face um, and your voice to introduce um, the video, because it's, it's better if the teacher is in front of um, you know, if we're leading that with our students, but sometimes you can't, so you use other people's content. So I, that was a key takeaway for me, is to implement more of those short videos with our students. But also she talked a lot about making mistakes and how um, it's good to make mistakes on those videos. And, and I've heard this before, and I understand that concept. But funnily enough, it wasn't until I was listening to Jacinda Ardern speak, um, her, her last brief um, to New Zealand, uh, before they, you know, they, they start preparing for the election, elections. And she spoke for about five minutes, but she made three or four big mistakes during that video and it didn't phase her. She just kept going and it made me feel that she was really human in her approach and it made um, her talking a lot more appealing to me. Uh, did you see that chat at all? No, I didn't. It was it was fascinating. So for me, I felt like um, I should worry less about the mistakes I make in some of my videos and just embrace yeah. it um, because it just it just makes you the teacher more human. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. All right, we should um, jump straight into it. I, I I rambled for a long time then, so apologies to to my listeners. Um, and also, if you're interested in um, learning a little bit more about flip learning on augmented learning, we do have an introduction to flip learning course, which has about five lessons, about 60 minutes of PRD, and that's all free. So you can sign up for that if any of this interests you. So let's jump into episode 62 with Liz Wilson. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Hey, before we get started, can you tell us just a little bit about your teaching background and experience and a few tidbits about your school and the students you teach, which is really interesting given the current climate? Okay, so uh, oddly, I've been a maths teacher now for 25 years, um, and about half of that I've spent overseas in international schools and half in New Zealand schools. 
Um, at the moment, I am, my correct title is the Dean of Students at the Western Academy, Academy of Beijing. Can't even say it straight today. Um, and which is one of the two big embassy schools up in Beijing. And, um, but I'm currently in Hamilton in the Waikato uh, because uh, we all sort of got stuck outside. We travelled at Chinese New Year and then we got stuck with COVID in the countries we travelled to. So I've been here for just over six months, um, and, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, the kids we teach are uh, international kids from right around the world. Uh, some of them are business kids, embassy kids. They are quite an array. Um, there's a sort of perception that if you teach in an international school, all your students are very wealthy and very brilliant. Um, there are some of those, but we also have some uh, a, a very large learning support department, um, and we teach kids uh, right through from about 50 different countries, um, which is fantastic. So you've been New Zealand six months, so you were already kind of out of the country when everybody got locked down, is that right? Yeah, I came home for Chinese New Year because, uh, well, it was just a good time to come home and, and check on my elderly parents, as one does. And um, and then COVID shut the school down. And we mm -hmm. were sort of told that halfway through Chinese, which is the last week of January, if uh, um, those okay. who don't speak Asian holiday timetables. Um, and then, yeah, they shut all the schools down. And we were sort of told to stay um, where we were. Um, and uh, that then, of course, all the borders shut quite quickly after that. So this has been from something we thought we might be shut and shut out of the country for a couple of weeks. It's now been six months. And some, uh, the new semester for this new school year starts for us in, a, in about a month's time. So we are at the moment trying to scramble to try and get staff back into, into Beijing, which is quite a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So how, how did the school manage having you know a lot of a significant amount of teachers away from you know their campus um did they kind of write the year off or did they give you guys opportunities to teach online and that sort of thing no we were always, we already have uh, a quite a high level of technology in the school you are a little bit limited because you're in china and so obviously google doesn't exist facebook um, youtube doesn't exist they need uh, virtual vpns in order to access so that's not really um, okay if you're in a school uh, so we have some very, very good um, uh, IT networks, and the kids are quite IT proficient. They're used to using a, an array of different um, skills and things, and it's a and it's a school that is very open-minded in the way it teaches. So we have open plan areas. We have days off the timetable. A little bit actually like Albany Senior. It's been like really lovely to follow what Claire's been doing there. So very similar to that. Um, so our kids were equipped, and of course they were right around the world as well because the embassies got rid of the families fast um, and yeah. sent them back home. Um, and so we did not write the year off. Uh, we carried on because until quite close to the end, we thought we'd still have the international baccalaureate exams. Um, so we carried on. We finished the year off. Um, uh, but it, it's been a steep learning curve for some, and for some of us it's sort of been um, – been interesting but having kids right around the world adds an element that New Zealand didn't have um, when you've got you know you spend sort of 20 something weeks and you've got I had kids from um, Iceland through to right through to Thailand you know and everywhere between so quite a different dynamic. Being somebody that is reasonably competent in this whole blended flipped approach did you get any opportunity as uh, as you were kind of shut out of school to you know lead others and support other educators in your school 
Yeah, um, somewhat in my school, and um, I tend to be, a, I mean, I teach that way anyway, even when I've got a face-to-face class, I flipped my, flipped my learning anyway. So for my kids, it was relatively straightforward because they're used to having their content on video and then working in class, and it was just a matter of actually getting them to um, connect with me in different ways um, for the stuff you'd normally do face-to-face in class. Um, we had quite a few staff in my department were not experienced with that, and so um, it was useful to be able to help them. But they, again, are scattered around the world. Um, but also I did more help of kind of colleagues back in New Zealand, um, which was really nice. I suddenly got this flood of phone calls saying, can you help, you know, what, what can we do? Can you give some advice? Uh, and it was nice to be able to sort of um, help out here as well. Nice. That's good being able to share your expertise and um, really nice that Kiwis could reach out to you and you've obviously got a really good presence. Um, I've seen you floating about on social media, but it wasn't until um, you were in one of our webinars with Stephen McConaughey that I realised you're passionate about flip learning, which is really cool. What do you think the attraction to flip learning is, both from uh, both from a teacher and a learner perspective? Um, I think... For me personally, the attraction is that anything that allows you to spend more time with the kids. I really, I really hate that um, image of a high school mathematics teacher where we're all really boring and we stand at the front of the class with a you know piece of chalk and we lecture and then the kids do exercises. And some of that model, unfortunately, is still around, but it's a model from you know a hundred years ago. Um, so for me, the the looking at flip learning was made absolute sense. Um, in that um, I was able to, and I started doing it about 10 years ago, actually with review sessions more than anything else for the kids um, before they sat their sort of international exams and then it carried on from there. But I think the big incentive for me is the amount of time it gives me individually and group helping students because instead of having, you know, like 20 minutes, blah, blah, at the front, you suddenly got that whole hour or 70 minutes or 90 minutes actually working with kids one-on-one. Um, which is massively beneficial. For students, I also noticed that um, a lot of them watch the videos and they, they're short. I'm, it's one of my rules that they have to be really, really short. So, um, you know, if it's over eight minutes, it's a it's not a good video in maths. Um, but they are able to watch it more than once. So you find that uh, kids will be watching it, you know, maybe two or three times sometimes, this, or they can stop and start it. And so that for me, was a massive benefit because it means they can go at their own pace, they can absorb, they can stop and have a think if they get stuck, um, and they've got access, you know, access, and the parents actually have access to it as well, which is kind of interesting to find out how many of those parents actually also watch them. Mm, that's really good, and, and my uptake of flip learning was very similar, you know, in, in physical education, which has, in New Zealand has parity, as you're probably aware, um, with other with other learning areas. So we, we do very little practical assessment it is all theory sort of wrapped up in in the physical so our kids they don't especially when they come into year 11 they don't understand well why do we have to do all this classroom theory work and it's boring and we thought we were signing up for the practical so for me flip learning is all about being able to take some of these um, these concepts and contexts and instead of sitting at the front writing on the whiteboard we can do a little bit of learning at home and then come in make sure we understand it but then head out and do that in real world context which i think is is a, a lot of the power of a flipped approach do you think flip learning is is misunderstood from the general like i guess from other teachers in the sense that you know you people think it's just watch a video at home and come to class and do some work simple as that do you think there's that misunderstanding there 
Yeah, I think I think um, there's a lot of misunderstanding, and I think people think it's just all Khan Academy and 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 just a teacher being lazy. Um, I can tell you that when you set up a class, it's incredibly intense. The amount of time you spend um, um, actually preparing for it. I am an absolutely strong believer that as much as possible, um, the videos should be your teacher because it should be somebody the kids identify with. Now, that's not always possible. Um, it should at least be our accent, and that does make a difference, particularly in New Zealand. And, you know, um, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, got very excited when, you know, Card Academy and a lot of things went online. But in fact, um, it the kids don't automatically identify with those people. And so you have the high achievers linking into them. But what we're really trying to do is, is get the attention and the engagement of those low and middle achievers um, and see if we can raise the bar for them. So I think it is somewhat misunderstood. To more actually, I found in New Zealand when I was here, and, and most recently I only left a, a year ago, I sort of come and go a little bit, um, was that it was just, it, they didn't see the point in it. So if you're in a department, you know, people were like, well, why, why bother? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agreed with a lot of what you said there, especially, um, and the, the thing about relationships and, you know, we are the best people to be teaching our students. We're the best people to be in front of our class. So that aligns with a flipped approach as well. The best person to be in a video is you teaching your students the way that um, you've always taught them. And so I think that's really important in saying that, um, you know, I do own my study series, which provides flip content for, for learners. And that's more about, uh, I guess, I was really passionate about the approach and getting that out there in front of as many teachers and classes as possible. And, and that's more along the lines of really repurposing the classroom space and that whole idea of misunderstanding we still see teachers who will come into the classroom load up a video and push play and sit there and I, it just drives me mad to think that people still do that and it's um you know i think if we are gonna embrace flip learning or blended approaches and use video content outside of the classroom we've really got to look at ourselves and say hey well what's the best way to move forward with my students now that they've done the remembering and the understanding at home, how can we um, tap into some of these higher order thinking skills so that this repurposed classroom space can be really, really powerful? So as soon as people forget about the videos and and I think focus on, yeah, that that is the key. It's, it's the amount of the extra time and all of that stuff that you get with your students to really um, double down on some of those concepts. Yeah, often when you're um... Often when you're sort of talking to somebody about flip learning, they, they do get they very, very hung up on the video and, and that does take time to prep stuff well. Um, and I do use other sources. I've been known to use a bit of st my study series. I've known Stephen um, McConaughey for a very long, since he was a very baby teacher. I met him in his first little term of teaching. He now looks older than I do, so I'm quite excited about that. Um, um, and, uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a tiny, tiny top. And um, one of the things that, you know, it is, I, I use a variety of sources. But one of the key factors is what are you going to spend the classroom time on? What alters? And it's not a matter of, well, I mean, it does work if you use the video outside of class and that's the homework and then you come in and you make sure that they have understanding and then you set the same old textbook stuff. There is some benefit from that. But the real benefit is then saying, well, I've actually got this classroom time now that's, you know, I've got 60, 70 minutes. What am I going to do with it? Um, and how can I actually get greater understanding in what's happening. And I think sometimes that bit is missed out. Um, so, you know, which is the key, really the key factor. And in the research overseas, because as you'll know, this is my research topic, um, 
a lot of the a lot of the research is still oh let's put videos in and then just set exercises and see what happens for a short period of time, um, and then they don't get the results that they're expecting. So yeah, one of the one of the best lessons I, I ever taught was and I share this quite a bit. Um, I haven't I don't think I've discussed it on a podcast, but uh, you know we were doing Newton's laws and we're doing the law of inertia and. Uh, my kids watched a video at home and then they came to class and we checked understanding and they, they seemed to have a good grasp of it. So we went straight into an activity which involved creating some sort of contraption that had an egg on, on top and they had to pull away and try to catch the egg in the bowl. And and for whatever reason, you know, the, the pull wasn't straight, but the, the egg didn't fall into the, the softly padded container and it rolled around on the desk and fell on the floor and smashed. And it was a complete failure, but the kids knew why it failed. They had an understanding of the key concepts and they had a huge laugh at the kid who pulled it incorrectly and smashed the egg all over the carpet and the gym foyer. And it's a lesson that they'll never forget. You know, I could have done the same thing up the front of the classroom, writing down the concepts and drawing pictures, and they wouldn't remember a thing. But I guarantee most of those kids will still be able to recall that lesson and some of those key concepts. And that's not from the flip video. That's not from the whole pedagogical approach of flip learning. It's because we, we were enabled to do a really powerful learning task that broke it down really easily and was a lot of fun. So I, I, I really do think... Um, there is that misunderstanding and people getting caught up in the video. Yeah, and, and unfortunately it does take time. Um, you know, if you've got multiple classes and you're trying to do it, it, it will take all your time. And I think that that's places where, you know, we are lucky in New Zealand that we have. As, as I said, I, I'm familiar with my study series and and, um, and there are a couple of others, you know, um, out there, particularly in, in higher level mathematics. Um, but um, I think that's that's quite nice if you can, you know, augment what you need to, where you can have those personal touches. Interestingly enough, the one thing I do do if I use a commercial product is I always do a little fast hello at the start anyway. Um, so I just add a little clip to say, hey, how are you all doing? So they know that it's, it's, it's me um, and I'm talking. And especially when kids are overseas, as we've had, um, we've had kids, you know, who are, we've had to be asynchronous. That's the one interesting piece of feedback that's come back when we've talked to, um, you know, the kids about how the learning's gone is what do they really enjoy? And, and they sort of, you know, talk about some of the some of the video stuff, but they actually mention the fact that teachers are popping a, you know, 30-second video to say, you know, here I am, how you doing? Um, and that connection, even if they're using another product, which, you know, does make a difference. Because as we know in New Zealand, it's relationship first, learning second. And we're really, really lucky we're trained that way. And we're really lucky um, that we have the ability to teach that way because not all countries train teachers in that mm. manner. And kids aren't silly either. Kids, kids know the teacher that just sends them a YouTube video and has no investment in the learning. You know, I, I reckon, I mean, that's a great idea just... Um, you know, a nice little clip beforehand before linking to that video to show that you are there, you're present, you're, you're invested in the learning outcome. And I think that that is a nice, simple way to really segment into a video to make sure that the students are, are in a really good position to take on some of those concepts. Why does, why does flip learning work so well in mathematics? Um, I think, that, uh, why does it work so well? I think um, it's the, I think, Okay, so for me, I think it's the what I can do inside the classroom, I suddenly have time. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that when you have a look, and, and I mean, there's the Flip Learning Group on Facebook for New Zealand of mathematics teachers. There's quite a few of us who are doing it around New Zealand. Um, I think I think it's the amount of time you get back in the classroom to actually be with kids. Um, and that is the, that that's actually the bonus, and that's where the real learning occurs. Mm. Um, you can also, uh, means that you can have kids working at different levels and a bit more self-paced. Um, so that's all beneficial to the learning. Um, I mean, it's interesting, mathematics is incredibly, you know, concept driven, um, and we don't always teach it that way. Um, but there is some also some sort of base level knowledge that sometimes we need kids to have. So that particularly works. But I can't see why most subjects wouldn't weren't, I mean, if you can get, no offense, PE to work, which for me as a maths teacher is the most sort of foreign thing, you know, it's the most thing, uh, thing with the most sort of physicality. And, and, and I know there's a lot of theory and learning and stuff in it now, but if, if PE will work, then there's no reason why every other subject can't. Um, so it's so it's a really, I think I think it's just the amount of time time that you gain and the ability to do other stuff when you're not trapped into that twenty minute lecture, forty minute maths. Because um, you know you open up open up and lots of activities and and because it's often you find uh, and me as a young math teacher, I remember you know often you would find the last two or three minutes in class where you were sort of closing up to stop was actually where all the learning was happening. And you, you actually almost didn't want to stop them because they were suddenly having those aha moments. With they flipped, were, they were. Yeah. yeah, it's coming halfway through the lesson instead because you're pulling the time back and you can actually explore that a little bit more. So, And in those last five minutes that you'd be trying to rush through an activity and you're not going to get there, so you say, okay, well, chuck it in your bag and go home and try to finish it without the support of your peers, without the support of your teacher, and good luck with that. So that's that's really frustrating. It's, it's obviously not a silver bullet though. So what are some immediate challenges when it comes to integrating a, a flipped approach in mathematics or, or any subject really? Uh, a couple of things. And um, obviously, as I said, this is my research topic. So um, I'm just writing up my thesis at the moment. Uh, the couple of things that you need to be really aware of. Um, one is the technology side of it and the technology can get in the way. So being in China, um, I'm, I'm acutely aware of this. And I mean, I'm sure you've done the same, but in your early days of flipping, because I know you've been around for a while as well, um, you'd find a piece of software that would work um, and then suddenly it would be bought out by somewhere, someone will stop working and so you had to learn something else. And I think that that's one of the big traps um, when somebody starts it, that they actually go for a product rather than the idea of actually, you know, what they're going to do. Um, it doesn't, it re as you said, it, flip learning as a, a type of blended learning model, it isn't a way of being lazy. It's not, it, it's, it's actually incredibly much more intense if you're going to do it well. And it's absolutely exhausting because you're full on in the classroom with the kids and then you come home and you've got a lot of prep work to do um, as well. So it is very exhausting. And for those people who are going to sort of thinking of starting out, and I've talked to quite a few um, sort of people who are flipping in New Zealand and overseas, you know, the real suggestion is you start with one class, one topic, one class and then go from there, and then add. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is people are really self-conscious on video, and um, I guess the first sort of few videos I did when I put them onto YouTube where it was a public channel, I was very concerned about what I looked like, what it, you know, if I stopped and started, if I said something, you know, dopey, which is quite common with me. Um, and then I realized that actually those things were the bits the kids loved. Yep. So they came in and they were like, well, 
what were you wearing your hoodie for, like, you know, Miss, last night? And I said, well, it was cold, you know. And they're like, well, you look like, you know, Darth Vader's grandma. So that was a, it's not a good look for you. Um, <laughs> and, and, and and I remember another teacher listening to that going, oh, God, that's awful. And I just went, no, that kid's watched the video. That's what they're telling you. They've actually watched it. They've understood it. And they're making some smart remarks. So you do also have to lose um, any ego you have as well because, um if you're over recording and trying to be perfect and your hair's in place and everything's right. Um, and it also doesn't matter as a mathematician if you make a mistake. Um, so I'm quite often using, you know, screen screen and stuff to, to draw on as well. And, you know, if you make an error, just cross it out and go over it again because the kids need to see that as well because mm. that's part of that sort of powerful learning. Mm. Um, I think, I, so I think, I think it's the time that it takes to set up um, and, and really thinking about what happens in the classroom and making sure that that classroom time is really utilized really well um, are, the, are the big things. The other thing is, um, and I'll talk about the research and what we found, is that coming down from about 1,200 articles that included, peer-reviewed articles that included the words flipped high school and mathematics or flipped secondary and mathematics or things, we actually only got down to 22 studies that involved high school mathematics. Um, and studies of flip learning, so 22 articles. And a lot of those, what they've done is they've actually, um, instead of actually having a look at established flip learners, which is where I think my research will go, because we really need to have a look at what's happening in terms of longevity for these kids. If they have a flipped um, classroom one year, what happens, what's the effect on the following year and the year after that for that kid? Um, has it increased their learning? Has it had a benefit apart from that single year? Um, but a lot of the studies are just a little pre and post test and, um, you know, the, the videos are done to the kids for, say, two to seven weeks and then they see if it works or not. So there's a lot of research that needs to go in because most teachers are doing this based on the instinct that they know it's better and they know it works for them. But there really isn't the research basis at the moment in high school to back it up. What, why, do you think, why do you think that is? Why do you think there's that lack of research? Um, I think um, I've, I've got an idea, and it's this. I think that they the research needs to go uh, longer term. A lot of the research that's been done has been short term, and it's, it's mainly out of Hong Kong, Taiwan, a little bit out of the US. Um, and I honestly think that the next piece really needs to be um, getting alongside um, really established flip learners or flip teachers, I should say. And we've got some in New Zealand. I can think there's a wonderful teacher up at Westlake, Westlake Boys who's been flipping forever. Um, and, and she needs to really be part of a research project. The other thing is I'm a mathematics teacher. I now have a different role and I do a lot of student, um, student support as well as part of my role overseas. But um, I never saw myself as a, as a writer. And for mathematicians, it's sometimes a bit daunting. Um, and it certainly is at the moment trying to write my thesis and then some journal articles. But there's no reason for practitioners not to be actually um, talking about what they're doing. And that's what's missing out of the research is that we need some practitioners, people who are actually doing this talking. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the research, most of it's um, focused on um, people who are new to it. And they've sort of, somebody's got some research money and they've sort of popped in and done a, done a quick study. And, and there's no after effect. It hasn't stuck. Um, so I think one of the things in New Zealand, it would be great if we could actually have some of the practitioners, you know, pairing up 
um, maybe with people who are good at writing at university and actually and actually writing some of these articles and submitting them, yeah. um, because then we'd actually have more. Because we know it's happening. It's, yeah. There's just no evidence to show it is. So tell us, a, tell us a little bit more about the direction you're heading with your research. Okay, so uh, just trying to finish the thesis at the moment uh, in the middle of COVID and also trying to organise my visa back to China. So it's been a bit interesting. Um, my research has really been to have a look at the at the what is out there already and what we already know. Um, and then I'm hoping to move on to a doctoral study, which, as I said, initially being, you know, a maths and stats person and, you know, I'm a statistician underneath it all. I was like, well, we just need to, you know, put this in as a research project into a couple of classrooms and then pre and post test them and where we can and, and do some surveys on engagement. It's interesting through this research pro process, I've learned that that is total crap. That's my stats brain talking. And that is not how this is going to work. So the next step after I've got this um, this thesis and a couple of journal articles done will be to actually then have a look at doing some longevity studies and particularly with um, using teachers who are experienced in flipping and actually following some classes over multiple years and having a look at what happens because at that point we've got then the research basis to say this works. That sounds that sounds really interesting. That yeah. Sounds, <laughs> That'll be in my spare time. <laughs> that is that's that's quite long term. How do you how do you manage something like that that's going to drag out so long with your research? Um, it's been crazy. Like my thesis, actually writing the thesis, we just we had to extend it six months because of COVID, um, and it just because it just everything just just happened at once. Uh, that is the that is the problem of how to balance it. Um, I know that if I was in New Zealand, I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, uh, I'll be honest, I was at a school in New Zealand about um, six, oh, no, five years ago, and, and when I started researching and, and actually playing around with flip learning, the HOD's response was, could you please leave the school and go somewhere else? So um, so I did. Um, and so one is is I'm very lucky in the environment I'm in that, that we have a lot of professional learning and there is space and room for you to actually do research. They will back you for it. Um, and I think that's one thing that we should be doing in New Zealand, actually giving people some, you know, time and space and, and to be able to do that. Uh, it will be a long term, long term project for me. It'll be a once I start that doctor, it'll be it'll be six years. And quite frankly, after I get this thesis and I need six months of not doing anything apart from working yeah. for a while yeah. um, because it does take over your life. Um, on the lucky front, I don't have a family and kids. Well, I, I don't know that that's particularly lucky, but it's just the way way the world worked. And so it means I do have a bit of time, but you also need to um, learn to relax, which is quite hard when you're working overseas, particularly online, as, as New Zealanders teachers found over COVID. Yeah. One, one thing I'm interested in is we've heard a lot about the way you flip, and I've spoken a, a little bit about the way I flip. Are most mathematics teachers um, doing a, a similar approach in the classroom, or are we seeing um, a bit of difference in the way mathematicians are flipping? Um, I think mostly, and this is the problem, there's no research to show this, um, because as I said, there's studies where um, somebody's been either given videos or given content or whatever and done it you know, for a couple of weeks. So there's no real backup in the, in the research to show this. From looking at the sort of connections either on Twitter or Facebook or some of those groups, it appears that uh, most, and, and also the video content you could see, it seems that there is some variety. The variety particularly happens in what happens in the classroom afterwards. Um, one of the interesting things, there was an Australian study I read recently um, 
where they'd had a very, very uh, good teacher who had flipped her classroom uh, for some years, five or six years. And so it was brought in as a department initiative. And what they found um, over the several years, and this is one of the few long-term studies, is it didn't work. Because unless you're passionate and enthusiastic about what you're doing, um, it isn't actually going to come. But that's true about any any te yeah. teaching technique or any idea, that if you're not passionate and enthusiastic, um, then, then it's not going to work. Um, and in fact, it, it actually their results went down, academic and engagement went down, apart from this particular one teacher's class. And I think we've got to be a bit careful about making a one-size-fits-all model for everybody. And that we tend to do that a little bit in New Zealand sometimes. Um, we're incredibly innovative in terms of our teaching in, in this country. Um, but we we sometimes think, say, oh, there's a good idea, so everybody's got to do it the same way. And I think that allowing people to have the space and do it in their own way and support them is going to be really, really important. Support, yeah, support's massive. And, yeah. you know, from yeah. from what I've seen as an advocate for flip learning and in my own practice, when you pick this approach up, again, it's no silver bullet. And I actually saw um, a drop off in the first couple of years I did this because, first of all, I'm learning the process and trying to understand what the kids want to see and also they're trying to figure you out and trying to figure out this whole idea of consuming content at home because I mean 12 10 12 years ago that was completely different and the kids are more versed than that now but there's still the parents need to know the kids need to learn how to learn that way um, so you can't expect it to work straight out of the gate and we do pick up a lot and run with a lot in New Zealand in education but we're also very quick to get rid of stuff and throw it out so I think that support and time to really reflect and learn and look at uh, some of those outcomes and why they happened, I think that's really important as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things I'd encourage, and I've worked in, as I said, I keep coming back and working in New Zealand. My last time was um, about five years ago, and I didn't expect to go back overseas, but it just seemed to be a good fit, um, is having a look at, you know, um, in the in particularly mathematics departments and, and taking out that sort of top-heavy culture and actually um, getting young teachers and saying, go for it, go for it, give it a go, and I'll back you. Instead of sort of having that sort of top down where, you know, the boss has to be the, you know, um, has to be very, I guess, leading everything. And that's one of the things I enjoy about being overseas. But I've also seen it in other, other schools here, which has been really great, but particularly up in Auckland and um um, and I mean, I've got my friend Lou Addison is, is principal of a school up in Auckland now. She's a fantastic math teacher. And I and I saw some of the commentary she was making about, you know, how teachers were able to operate in her schools now. And I think just one of the things about international schools or top level, because there are lots of different levels of international schools and some of them are owned as businesses and you do what you're told. But in the sort of top level ones, which I'm now in, you get that freedom. They say, go, go ahead, do it. Give it a go. Tell us what you need. Um, and, and you're given the sort of freedom without having that sort of, no, everybody's got to do the same or somebody else has got to be sort of um, sort of looking over. And I think particularly with sort of appraisal and registration, that sort of thing in New Zealand, that would be far more powerful if you actually had teachers um, thinking about, you know, this is a sort of little research project and, and, and putting their own own stamp on how they're, how they're, how they're doing stuff. Because it doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily, as you said, a silver bullet for everybody. But it is a really good technique, and it's particularly good if you've got young teachers, um, mm. because they can then they've got the guidance of what that looks like in the curriculum and things, that, and they've got time to think about other stuff they can do as well. I think a lot of that just comes down to good leadership, and I think back to 
to the 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 individual who was in charge when I took up flip learning, and that was Prue Kelly, and she is a very um, she's an amazing leader, and she just said, "Go with it, do your thing, have some fun, and just make sure you learn something." Not not the students. She meant me. Make sure I can take something away from that, and she was really well known for that. For allowing people to follow their passions and and as long as they could take something away from it at the end of the day she just let you go with it and it's only because of of her and her guidance and her support that I find myself where I am at the moment which is a, a very privileged position in education so good good leadership and good support from the top is is going to help all teachers before we get to the last question is there anything I might have missed that you want to mention or is there anything that you want to ask me I think um, I think the big the big key that I wanted to put put forward about this flip learning is that there are two aspects we really want to encourage. One is if we can increase engagement, and and sort of my view is that in, in PE you've almost got the opposite problem, the maths. That sometimes maths we have a lot of problems, and or opposite the issues for the opposite kids. Mm-hmm. That in mathematics um, you get kids who are passionate and interested about maths, but you have a lot of the kids are there because they have to be. It's not their sort of and. It's something, I'm a true believer, I love Joe Bowler's work, saying everybody's capable of being a good mathematician, um, and that's a lot of the mindset, but we've got to increase the engagement. And so um, that's one thing, and that's one thing that flip learning does really well. Interestingly, in the data, if we're having a look at the few studies that are out there, what they say is that for higher-level academic kids, or the kids who know more, as I like to do at the moment, flip learning really doesn't have much of an effect on them. Um, however, which is true, because if you have, for instance, a rubbish teacher in one academic area, but you're passionate about it, you're probably still going to do okay. Um, but for the lower and middle kids, you know, the kids who don't know as much yet or, you know, developing, that's where the flip learning is coming in and showing an increase in their engagement, which automatically means an increase in their, in their achievement as well. So I think, you know, we need to look at both both the engagement and the achievement in order to actually make some judgments about whether this is a good thing. Yeah, two, two really good points. Hey, I could talk about flip learning all day because it gets me really excited and it's not often you get to sit down with somebody who's as passionate about something um, as, as you are. And, you know, I just want to thank you for, for sitting down. I know you're a busy person and you've, you've got your thesis to write and you're trying to manage learning from the other side of the world. So, you know, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Um, you're a real pro at this stuff and just talking to you, um, you can just tell that your passion for this. And I hope our audience who might not be too familiar with flip learning have taken on board some of the things that you've said, you know, some of those things, those those enablers, I guess, and and some of the challenges to flipping and and looking at how we can minimize those and enhance the barriers. So this has been really insightful. Um, I hope the start of the teaching year uh, for your school goes well and and that you get your your way back to, to China soon. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, it's been uh, it's been interesting to be home for six months uh, unexpectedly. It's sort of dragged on, and I'm looking forward to getting home to Beijing, um, and actually having all our kids together. Most of our kids, interestingly, or about two thirds of our kids, are actually back because the embassies let them back. Um, uh, we have kids from all sorts of things. It's actually the teachers who are currently locked out. So I'm just mm. at the start of the process of going back. Um, the hardest thing, interesting, is going to be getting on a flight because there are so few leaving New Zealand. So even if I got the visa tomorrow, um, it's going to be actually uh, actually jumping aboard. 
but but I do encourage people to give this a go and to talk to people talk to people around. And there are lots of passionate flippers in New Zealand, um, so search them out. Twitter, Facebook's a great place to find them, and and actually just link in beside because most of us are pretty passionate and will want to help you out and get you started. Um, and don't get hung up on the software ever. Just go with whatever. I mean, interestingly enough, and I hate PowerPoint. But I use PowerPoint for for doing my videos because it works everywhere and it's never going away. So um, you know it's an it's an easy but but you know people who get sort of very into one certain piece of software and then you know it gets bought out and, and taken over that that tends to mean they stop. So yeah, but uh, thank you for talking to me. It's it's not often that I get to rant about flip learning like this, so it's good. <laughs> well, don't worry because I jumped the gun. I've still got one question for you. Um, I, th I left out the last question. Um, and you, I think you're really well positioned to answer this. Has COVID impacted your desire to be teaching internationally? Uh, no. Um, there's one. There's I one noted because you just you just said I can't wait to go home. Yeah. And I thought that was. I do. I do. And, and New Zealand is my home. I um, the the one thing that is going to impact, and I'm going to be honest about this, is that I'm very aware that there are going to be quarantines for a very long time to come. Um, and for those people who are moaning about New Zealand's quarantine, I will get into China. I have two weeks, 14 days in a Chinese facility with um, uh, where you are shut in a room with no, I understand, no air conditioning um, and very uh, local Chinese food, which will be fine, um, uh, and very limited Wi-Fi. And, of course, Chinese TV, which is very exciting. There's an entire Chinese opera channel, which is great. Um, and then you, we, for, because I'm Beijing, I will then be able to transfer to Beijing and then I will have a further week inside my house where I cannot, cannot leave. And there's a magnet put on your door and you have to report in. Uh, so you can't leave. And then there's a fourth week before we can actually start and in, go into the school grounds at all. So it's quite a long process. And I'm aware for me, because I have elderly parents, that um, I may not be able to come home if something happens. And I may not be home for two years. Um, and that is the difficult bit. Um, I'm happy to pay whatever fee. I think personally, if you're coming back into the country, um, you should have to pay to stay in the hotels. Um, but that's me. Um, but I, I'm aware that that it could be difficult to, you know, come back in, come back in, you know, once I go, and that, and that is a terrible concern. Um, but on the other hand, your life's amazing. Uh, you work hard, play hard. Amazing, amazing teachers you get to meet. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Liz. Thanks for your time. My pleasure.